Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. This month we've been doing a series that we called Source. The first two weeks we talked about how God is our source. And if you weren't here, we encourage you to go to the podcast and download those messages or go to the website and download those messages. We have it all for free to be a blessing to you. But if you do need a CD, you can purchase it from the bookstore. And if you would like to use my notes for today's message, you can download them from the live events section on the Bible app. And you can follow along with me. So the last two weeks, we talked about how God is our source and how you can tap into that source and have an abundant supply. But the Lord told me last weekend that my instructions to minister to you today will be concerning how spiritual warfare affects your finances. How spiritual warfare affects your finances. Now, when talking about spiritual warfare, people can get into the ditch on one side or the other. One side says, oh, there's no such thing as a devil. There's no such things as demons. It's only what you do. And the other side, they are demon happy. They see a demon behind every tree, every bush. Oh, that was a demon. Both sides are wrong. The right way is to walk through the word of God and stay in the middle of the road. So I'm going to take you through the word of God concerning that this morning. And of course, spiritual warfare affects many, many different things in life and community and city. But we're focusing specifically on finances because that's what the Lord told me to do this morning. Now, here's something that you always have to do when considering spiritual warfare. Always view it from the standpoint of victory. I said, always view spiritual warfare from the standpoint of victory. Because of the triumph of Jesus, you are victorious. You are not trying to win. You are enforcing the victory Jesus has already given you. You are not trying to win. Jesus already won. You are enforcing his victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has given you the victory. Say, God has given me victory. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God has given you victory. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, stop looking so sad. Stop looking so depressed. Jesus made you a conqueror. And he gave you the victory. Go to 1 John chapter 4. We'll look at verse 4. So always view spiritual warfare from the standpoint of victory. So no matter the battle, have an expectation of victory. Doesn't matter what comes against you, have an expectation of victory. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who's the them? When you look at the previous three verses, it's talking about demonic spirits, specifically spirits of antichrist. What are spirits of antichrist? Spirits that oppose the anointing, the move of the spirit, and spirits that oppose whatever the Holy Ghost is trying to do in the earth. It says, you have overcome those spirits, those demons. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
Now, when you read in 1 John, in the writings of John, when he says the word world, especially in this epistle, he's not talking about the physical planet. He's not talking about greater is he who is in you than he's in the dirt that you walk on. When you look at the world, word world, this comes from the Greek word cosmos. It talks about world systems, the systems this planet operates by. It can be the system you see present in education or the system in finances, the system in government. Wherever there is a system or mountain, as people call it, of influence, it talks about how those mountains are inhabited by devils. They're inhabited by demons. They're inhabited by the works of darkness, and they're trying to make sure their agenda comes to pass. But he is telling you here that greater is he that is in you than all those devils in those mountains. Look at chapter 5. Verse 4. So we know the world means the systems of this world that are backed by demons and devils. For whatsoever is born of God, say, I'm born of God, overcomes the world. If you are born again, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a world overcomer. You are an overcomer of the systems of this world and every strategy Satan has. You were born that way. Say, I can't help but win. Because I was born that way. And we'll look at this later. This is the victory that overcomes the world. This is how we win our faith. So you are born again an overcomer. But if you don't employ your faith, you will be a loser just like the rest of the world. I might get into this either this month or next month. But on Friday night, Dr. Bill Winston preached a message in Michigan. And one of the many different amazing points in that message, he was proven from the scripture and he said this, that any man without the anointing is weak. Because when Samson lost the anointing, the book of Judges says he became just like any natural man. So if you don't use your faith, you won't benefit from the, from the anointing that's on you and you will be weak like any other man subjected to the systems of this world. But if you live by faith, consistently use your faith, walk by faith, employ your faith, you will conquer every system. Because if you have that belief, if you have this confidence, you can't go around saying excuses. I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't know the right people, or the man is coming against me. I'm too black. I'm too this. I'm too white. I'm too this. I'm too that. What are you doing? Limiting yourself to the systems of this world. It may be true for others, but if you are born again, if you got the Holy Ghost, if you walk by faith, which is fueled by love, that does not apply to you. So when people come to you and say, you can't do this because of this and your background and you are this, your response has to be, what does that have to do with me? Because that could be true, but you forgot about the blood of Jesus. That could be true, but you forgot I got the Holy Ghost, the greater one on the inside of me. That could be true, but I'm anointed by God. That could be true, but I got faith, and the faith I have can change the facts of the matter and line it up to the truth of the Word of God. Don't settle to the limitations and the labels people put on you. 
Everybody believes in every label they come up against. Oh, you have this. Oh, you have that. Oh, something new is out. There, you notice there's like a new disease every, every season. And they keep talking about it on the news. And so you start believing it. And then you cough. <gasps> I must have whatever that new disease is. Why? You've built your faith in that disease. And when you open your mouth and say, I must have it, you took it. So be careful what you consistently feed on. Because that is what you will believe. Be careful for even what stories you keep reading online. Some are true, some are not. Some are real, some are fake news. Some are stories that are twisted to get you to believe a certain point of view. Now here's what I do when I watch the news when I want to see some type of update. I put on multiple channels because they all have a different view. So I will watch at the same time, I might flip back and forth where if I'm on the gym and no one else is there, I take over all the TVs. <laughs> so I'll put Fox on one, I'll put CNN on one, I'll put MSNBC on one, and I'll just watch. And I almost took a picture of it the other day and posted it, because the same thing is going on. It's a live event. But depending on their view, they're all saying the opposite thing. And this dude didn't say any of it. They have a view. So you're not watching news, you're watching people's opinions of the matter. And everybody, Bishop says it two different ways, his opinions like armpits, everybody's got a couple of them. And so what happens, you keep listening to opinions and commentary all day, because that's what most news has become now, commentary. And then you begin to believe their commentary because they're preaching to you. So they either say, it's going to be amazing because of so-and-so. Oh, it's going to be horrible because of so-and-so. And you begin to believe it, and you forget, I got the Holy Ghost. Why am I looking to them to tell me how to live my life when the one who knows everything lives on the inside of me? Go to 1 John chapter 2. I'll get to my notes one day. 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 20. But you have an unction, same word as an anointing, from the Holy One. And you know what? That's present tense. Not will know all things. Say, I know all things. Look at verse 27. That word anointing is the same as unction. But the anointing which you have received of him abides, lives, dwells in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Now, I'm not against education, and I'm not against watching the news. But the anointing can teach you something the professors don't know. The anointing can teach you what those newscasters don't know. But if you limit to yourself to only receiving information on the natural level, you'll live like a natural man and you will be weak and subject to the systems of this world. You can get that information, but you can't stay with information. you got to get revelation. And revelation only comes from the book. 
You have to live above the systems of this world. Because if you always try to operate by the rules of the systems of this world, you will stay bound to them. But living by faith puts you above it. And faith works by love. So if you say, I'm going to give them back because of what they did to me, you've stepped out of faith because you're not walking in love, and now you're back under the systems. Don't forget the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Not vengeance is yours. A lot of you want to take vengeance because we all agree God, he's, like, God, he's just too nice. <laughs> he won't let me do what I want to do. He'll, I say, God, kill him. He'll bless them. He'll forgive them. He'll show them mercy. Why? It's the way of love. He knows better than you do. See, someone, one of someone in here is so annoyed by the person that works on their job. And the thing is, if you give it time, they'll be one of your closest friends. So, but they're doing all these things. So, you annoy somebody. You ain't perfect. We all got our issues. We all annoy somebody. Somebody had to be patient with us. Right? So, walk in love and forgiveness anyways. You could be pushing people away because they get annoyed by you that God sent to be a blessing to you. God will put people in your life for a reason. Some people he'll put there so you can help grow them up. Some people put there to help grow you up. Others are put there to be a blessing and pour into you. And not everybody is in your life for always. Some people are there for a season. But if you get so full of yourself thinking you know everything, you will miss out on the season and what God has for you, and then you try to get to the next season, hey, I'm missing something, you miss what God was trying to do in the last season. Because you were just such in a hurry trying to get to your next season. And you miss the anointing teaching you. God never wastes anything. You may not appreciate the season you're in, but learn every lesson from that season. So that you don't have to repeat it. See, so you're not supposed to pass people if they don't pass the test of the grade. But a lot of people want to go from kindergarten to college. And you're not prepared for college. You say, well, I've been believing for these things. I've been praying for these things. Why hasn't it come to pass? Maybe you're not old enough to receive it. Doesn't Galatians talk about that? Talks about that until... They reached an appropriate age. They were under the tutelage of a tutor. Maybe God's been trying to teach you faith for years to get you grown enough to receive what he wants to give you. But if you always play around like you're a spiritual toddler, you won't be able to handle what God has for you. You don't put heavy artillery in the hands of a baby. They'll hurt themselves or the wrong person. But someone who knows how to rightfully use the ammo rightfully loaded and fire, you can trust them with it. What has God maybe withheld from you out of his mercy because you weren't ready enough to receive it? The Bible says prosperity ruins a fool. So why I've been sowing, I've been giving, but are you foolish with your money? Has it only been a trickle coming to you because God said, if I move my hand and let the whole flood hit you, you would destroy yourself. We got to grow up. 
and all things and all ways. We have to follow the unction of the Holy Ghost. We have to follow the leading of the Spirit so we can get to the place God has for us. Because if you won't grow up, he'll give it to somebody who will. And you'll look at people like, they've only been saved for three years. Why does God use them to do all these things? Maybe they dedicated to growing up while you sat on your blessed assurance and said, well, teach me some, impress me. And the thing is, one of the things, people, they may appear to be spiritual, but it doesn't mean they're living the life. And you see how things began to change as years go by. What happened? What was secret is being revealed. They stopped holding on to the truth. That's why Hebrews says to make sure you don't let things slip. It doesn't matter if you learned faith 20 years ago. If you're not employing faith today, what's the point of 20 years ago? You're supposed to be building. You're supposed to be growing. You have to do what Hebrews says, get to a point where you can be a teacher. But if you're still bitter by the past, if you're still under offense, if you're still walking in unforgiveness, always talking about what somebody did to you, God can't use you. He can only take you so far. Because we become bitter and carnal and divided like the world. First Corinthians talks about that. This was a Holy Ghost-filled church. Gifts of the Spirit operating. They got into division over who was their favorite preacher. Church of Corinth had many different pastors. Paul started the church. Apollos came by, pastored the church. Peter must have been a guest speaker because they said, well, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Peter. Then the super spiritual, I'm of Jesus. <laughs> and so they are fighting about that. And this division opens the door for the enemy because where there's confusion and strife, there is every evil work. And you begin to read through the book of Corinthians how all these types of sin began to come in to the point it was known throughout the city these Christians sin worse than the heathen. How did that come in? Division. It opened the door to hell. If you refuse to walk in love, if you refuse to forgive, doesn't matter who did something wrong, how bad it was. If you refuse to forgive, you give Satan a place in your life. Ephesians 4.27, give no place, give no landmass to the devil. But if you walk in unforgiveness, you are putting a spot in your house saying, Satan, hit me. You're wondering, why are all these things going on in my house? Look who you allowed in the guest room. Why are things going on with all these things going on with my kids? Who have you invited to stay there? Your kids are a mirror of you. My kids are crazy. Well, I don't know where they got that from. Sure. If you want to have a house that reaps the biblical blessings, you got to live by the Bible. We can't be those who think God is a genie. Rub the lamp, pop out, grant you three wishes. And when you're done, you put them back in. That's not how God operates. He's God. He's Lord. Have some respect. Put some respect on God's name. <laughs> Remember who he is and follow him like he's God. 
Now that's your God. We looked at it last week. So many people put God in the kitty chair. God, be seen but not heard. I'll come to you when I'm in trouble. And that's the only time they seek God or come to church when they need something from God. But what if coming to church was not just about you? Novel thought, I know. What if we separated our American consumerism from receiving the word of God? What if God wanted you to come to church so you can get a word to help somebody? What if he wanted you to come to church so you can serve? What if he wanted you to come to church because the person you sat next to needed a word of encouragement? And he knew you would show love to that person, so he needed you to get to that seat. But you go, I don't like that seat. I like that seat over there. It's not just about you. When you got born again, it should stop being all about you. It becomes how can God move through you to bless others. Yes, Jesus did everything for you. He loves you immensely. But you can't always be thinking about me, 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 me. People think, well, all those millennials, they're just so selfish. They're always thinking about me. Well, who do they learn it from? Be quiet if you want to. (laughs) All right. Let's go to the first verse in my notes, John 10, 10. (laughs) John 10, 10. Does the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Satan is the thief. Or Roberts would say a phrase, and it got him in trouble with all the religious people. It was simple. To us, it should be simple. This is God is a good God. And the devil was a bad devil. To us, it seems, well, sure. But to people 70 years ago, they, like some people today, blame God for every bad thing that happens. But notice Jesus, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But a lot of times when people quote that scripture, they get things out of order. It says, yeah, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But that's not what the Bible says. The first thing Satan, who's a thief, comes to do is to steal. Now, he's like, yeah, he's coming to steal my money. Yeah, he's going to try to steal your money. But that's not his number one target. Go to Mark 4. We'll see what he comes to steal. Satan is the thief, not God. Well, God put this sickness on me to teach me something. Well, then you go into the doctor and the hospital must be in full of disobedience if you actually believe that. That doesn't make sense. God does not use darkness to teach his children. He uses the word to teach his children. We talked about that all last month. He corrects and cleans and purges his children with his word. 
Now, you can open the door to sickness and disease by not following the Bible. And it can be a result of something you did, but don't say God sent it to me. Because if you believe God is the source of your problem, how can you believe him to be the source of your healing? Mark 4. Verse 3. Jesus began to teach, said, hearken, pay attention. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured. Underline the word devoured. It up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, because it had no root, and it withered away. Underline withered. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. You have ears to hear. Skip down to verse 13. And he said unto them, Know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? So this is the key parable to all the parables in the word, especially the New Testament and the Gospels. It says, The sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes how soon? And takes away the what? Satan is a thief. His first target is the word. He comes to steal the word that you heard. That was sown in the hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. When they have heard, they receive it with gladness or with a shout. And have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. So why did affliction and persecution come? So this is Satan's two tactics to steal the word from you. Immediately they are offended or they're enticed and they trip up into sin. And these are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the word. And the cares or the anxiety or the distractions of this world or the worry of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, I'm going to sum up this parable. Last spring, we did a month-long teaching of it. And if you want, it's called Fight, and it's on our website, and you can download it for free. But let me look at this parable again for today's purposes. So he says, Satan comes to steal the word. If he can get the word from you, then he can get and keep your stuff. The word offended here means trapped, stumbled, or to entice to sin. What happens when someone becomes offended according to this verse? Their production is scorched and withers away. That means there's no evidence you ever received the word in the first place. The word choke here means to crowd out, to completely strangle. It completely kills and removes the production and fruitfulness. Now, how does Satan try to achieve these tactics? He has five tactics, only five. Affliction, persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. Satan only has five weapons. That's what he's limited to. That's all he has. Affliction is defined as pressure brought by circumstance. Persecution is pressure brought by people. Cares of this world is anxiety or worry presenting the idea of distractions. It's anxiety that causes you to be distracted from what the word says. 
It's what draws you in a different direction and causes an anxious care. Then you get to deceitfulness of riches. If you are deceived by something, it means you believe a lie. Believing lies about money will choke and crowd out the production of the word in your life. So here's some lies about money. If you do whatever you have to do to get it, you're deceived by it. If you think money will solve all your problems, you're deceived by it. If you think money is evil, you're deceived by it. Money is neither evil or good. It's just a tool. It's actually an amplifier. Oh, they went crazy when they got all that money. No, they were already crazy. But you couldn't tell because of how broke they were. It's an amplifier. Why does prosperity ruin a fool? Because prosperity amplifies their foolish tendencies. Now they got something to be foolish with. Lust of other things, the word lust is defined as an excessively strong desire, especially for what is forbidden. So those are the five tactics Satan brings for his first purpose of stealing the word. Go to John 15. We spent about six to seven weeks in John 15 so far, and it looks like we'll be going back and forth to it all throughout the summer. Go to John 15. We spent a lot of time in the first 12 verses of this ch chapter last month, and you can get it. It's called the Grow Series on a podcast and on the website. John 15, verse 4. Abide or continue in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide, you continue in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides and continues in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. We just saw that in Mark 4. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. As we talked about last month, part of abiding in him is abiding or continuing in his word. If Satan can get you to back up from the word and your belief in its promises, you will, you will wither and look like the rest of the world. This verse doesn't say God cuts people off. People cut themselves off from their source. So problems and circumstances come their way, defined as the Bible as affliction and persecution, or things happen that cause them to carry a care or be anxious and full of worry. What happens after that? Those things come in, and it causes them to let go of the word. They back up from the word. They just continue from walking in the word, and then it dries up. Now, withering does not happen immediately. If you buy a flower and you have it at home, those flowers look good for a while. But slowly they begin to wither because they're not connected to anything that's given it life. So just because a person has left church, left the Bible, is doing stuff, and it seems like things are still going on, says, well, nothing happened. No, I guarantee you, they are withering, but it's not always immediate. And also remember the scripture, it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. So his mercy will allow things to keep going good for them for a while, but eventually they will wither. Eventually they will dry. 
So Satan can, through circumstances and pressure, cause you to back up from the word, you will wither. So quickly, maybe, I'm going to give you a battle plan so that you can stand strong and wage war effectively concerning spiritual warfare and your finances. Number one, it's simple. Get the word continually. Get the word continually. As we talked all last month, it's not just enough to come to church one Sunday. One Sunday a month, one Sunday anything. You should be at church as often as the doors are open. But even that is not enough. You need to read the Bible every day. Read at least one chapter a day out loud. And then on top of that, try to listen to at least one message a day. That's one of the reasons we make all of our messages for free online so you can keep getting the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We saw last month how John 15 says God purges us and cleanses us so we can produce more fruit by the word. You always want to be in a position where you can keep getting more word. So number one for your battle plan is get the word continually. Go to Malachi 3. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. What happened? What does that mean? They cut themselves off from their source. We looked at that last week. But the reason why they have not completely withered and completely disappeared and completely been consumed by all their enemies is because I am the Lord. I change not. I made your great-great-grandpa a promise, and I'm going to keep it. But they weren't experiencing God's best for their life because they cut themselves off from their source. It says, return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord. But you say, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. It did not say God cursed them. But when they cut themselves off from their source, instead of living out of the reign of heaven, they're living under the reign of the curse that's in the earth. They cut themselves off, and now they're living by the curse. Now God tells them the solutions for it. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now here with, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and empty it out or pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So the devourer was devouring what they had. Remember, we saw that word also in Mark 4. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast the fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. So if you do not tithe, the devourer is in your house, in life. Tithers have the benefit of God getting involved in guarding their production. But if you're not a tither, God is not involved with guarding your production. Tithers have rights that other people can't claim. Other people say, well, God is getting involved guarding what I produce. Only if you tithe. 
There are universal promises in the Word of God, but there's also conditional promises. That if you do this, this will be your result. But if you don't do this, this won't be your result. So number two on the battle plan is be a faithful tither. Not just a tither, be a faithful one. What is faithful? It's what you do continually. It's what you do consistently. Do you want to see a picture of faithfulness real quick? They don't know I'm going to say this, but Brother Ron and Brother Cecil, can you stand up real quick? That's a picture of faithfulness. They have been serving in kids' world since I was there. God told them to serve, and so that's what they do. That's faithfulness. Because I know there's many Sundays where they were too tired and did not feel like dealing with a whole bunch of screaming kids. But they poured into hundreds upon hundreds and thousands of kids' life. That's faithful. I appreciate you, gentlemen. Thank you, sirs. Remember, 1 Corinthians 9, 7 says, who goes a warfare any time at his own charges? Who plants a vineyard and eats not the fruit thereof? Or who feeds a flock and eats not the milk of the flock? One of the things you can learn from the scripture is your giving finances the war against the kingdom of darkness. Go to Job 1. Job 1, I'm going to sum it up for the sake of time. Talks about Job, a man of God, who reverently worshiped God. This is the word fear here in the first part means. He reverenced God. And then you look at verse 3, I believe it is, and it talks about all the stuff he had. It says he was the greatest or the richest man in the entire East. And he was a man of God. But verse 5 says something very interesting. Because it talks about he had 10 kids. And the thing is, all his kids were so blessed because of Job, they all had their individual houses. So they took turns every night throwing parties. They moved from house to house. They were just feasting. They had so much more than enough, they feasted, partied every night. But every morning, Job got up in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all, For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job, how long? Now, first look at this. Okay, it's good. He's the priest over his home. He is offering sacrifices for his kids, right? But look at what he said while he offered it. It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. That's not faith. That's fear. So out of fear, he did something that was right. But if he's doing this continually, this is not one day of fear. Fear has now become part of his lifestyle. When you keep going, Satan comes before the Lord. Now, he can't do this anymore because things have changed, but I won't get into that today for the sake of time. And he walks in, and God says, what you been up to? Let's go walking back and forth. 
looking around things, going here and there. And God checks him and says, have you considered my servant Job? Look at that. Why are you thinking about my guy? My Job. And he says, does, God, does Job serve you for nothing? You've blessed everything he has. Everything he touches prospers. There's a hedge of protection about him. There's a wall of blessing around him. Why is Satan concerned about the wall? He can't touch Job. The only reason he knows he's been watching, he's been trying to see an entrance to get Job, to get his stuff, to stop the man of God. But he couldn't. He kept running into a wall around everything he had. But as the conversation goes, God says something very interesting to him. He says, everything that Job has is in your power. The word power is also the word hand in Hebrew. Because everything Job has is in your hand. Wait a minute, did God give Job? Did God give Job stuff to Satan? No. Job gave Job stuff to Satan. There was a wall, but now that wall has been torn down. How do I know that? Go to chapter 3, verse 25. Job is speaking here. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. The Hebrew says it this way. I feared a fear and it came on me. Just like with your faith, you can believe things in. With your fear, you can bring things in. Job in his lifestyle of fear, even though he was a good person, even though he was a righteous person, even though he was a mature person, what the word perfect means, even though he was upright, served God, he was a man of fear. And brick by brick by brick, he tore down the hedge of protection and put everything he had in Satan's hand so Satan could finally crush it. Fear opens the door to the enemy. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Don't teach your kids out of fear. Well, don't run across the street because I'm afraid you'll get hit by a car. Teach them don't cross the street, but don't say, I'm afraid that could happen to you. Tell them, yes, people can get hit if they don't pay attention, but don't bring fear into the equation. Growing up in our house, fear wasn't tolerated. You know, you didn't say, I'm afraid, or I'm afraid of this or that. That's almost like you were cussing. We grew up in the house of faith. If fear shows up, we can get rid of it. As kids, you know, kids sometimes have nightmares. Sometimes from the enemy, sometimes from something they watch. So if any of us had nightmares at night, and we woke up and went to our parents, it wasn't, uh, just go back to bed, you'll be fine. It was, let's pull out the word. So there were different things, go back ooh, 20, 25 years ago, you had Salty, you had the Donut Man, you had Gospel Duck, you had all these animated creatures that would sing the word of God. You had Carmen, you had all these people. So what they would do is they would put on one of those videos, like now watch it and sing it with them. What are we doing? Singing the word. What are we doing? Building faith, dispelling fear. Then afterwards, I'll go back to bed. Why? Fear was not supposed to have a place in our house. You cannot tolerate any type of fear. Fear is not healthy. It will kill you. 
and give Satan a way to steal everything you have. You have to wage a war on fear, worry, and anxiety. What does 1 John 4, 18 tell us? That perfected or matured or grown-up love evicts, casts, casts out, and flushes out fear. So battle plan number three is flush out fear. Flush out fear. How do you do that? Meditate on the love of God. Sing songs about the love of God. One of the things I try to do every night or every day in the morning after I, my daughter wakes up, one of the things I song to her, sing to her is Jesus loves you. Because even before she can able to understand what every word means, I want that building in her spirit. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Because the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Because if she grows up confident and having faith that God loves her, fear can't grab hold to her. You need to sing that same song to yourself. You need to go over scriptures about God loving you as much as he loves Jesus. You need to meditate on the love of God. Think on the love of God. Sing on the love of God. And you will flush out fear. It has to be your daily habit, your daily practice. When you're tempted to be afraid because that temptation will come, you have to respond, God loves me. How am I going to make it through this situation? I'm going to make it through because God loves me. How am I going to win? God loves me, so he gave me the victory. This is not going to work out because I did everything right. It's going to work out because God loves me. He says, it's not going to work out because you had all, all this type of faith. Faith is important, but faith is the highway that the love of God travels down. God doesn't heal you because you have faith. He heals you because he loves you. God doesn't provide for you because you have faith. He does it because he loves you. He said, well, you told me to tithe and give offering. Yes, that's part of acting in faith and opening the highway. God doesn't give you peace because you got saved. He gives you peace because he loves you. He didn't get you saved because you did everything right. You received salvation because he loves you. You have to sing everything in the scripture and everything in your life from the standpoint, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. You have to see it so continually, it flushes out fear. Luke 6.38. I usually turn to all these scriptures, but I'm running out of time. Luke 6.38. It's a familiar scripture to us. Going down to the battle plan. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all shall be measured to you again. One of the ways God will prosper you is through people being a blessing to you. Correct? So battle plan, part number four is be quick to obey when God tells you to give. Be quick to obey when God tells you to give. Why? If you sow seeds of delay and disobedience, that is what you'll reap. If you sow seeds of delay and disobedience, that is what you will reap. So if God tells you to be a blessing to somebody and says, well, God, they look fine to me. They don't really need this. And you go back and forth with God, not seconds, but days. You are prolonging that person's need. You are prolonging that person's suffering. 
when God told you to bless them, but you being disobedient. And then when you have a need and you're believing God, to say, well, why, why hasn't it showed up yet? You sowed a seed, you're reaping your harvest. There's another disobedient person holding on to what you're supposed to have. So when God tells you to give, don't delay and don't be disobedient. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Now, you also have to think of the strategy of the enemy, that if God has a project he wants to get done, he really wants to fund it through his people. So Satan will see that and try to break something in your house. Right? You think about my income finally gave up. I can support that missionary. I can save more. Then all of a sudden your insurance went up. So wait, 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 wait. I just got blessed and then that went up. Oh, increase came in. Glory to God. Then your refrigerator breaks down. Then your car won't start. It's like I just bought this car last year. What's going on? The devourer coming to take what you have. So what do you need to do? Rebuke the devourer. Open your mouth. Part of the battle plan is use your authority. Not today, Satan. Get your hands off my stuff. The blood of Jesus is against you. If the thief be found, he has to pay up to double and seven times and give me the substance of his house. I'm going to become too expensive for you to mess with. You want to try me? Then you are going to pay me. Get bold with your faith confession. Just because some breakdown is going to take it, well, that's just how life is. That's how life will be for you if you stay in that condition. You got to get bold with your faith, open your mouth, decree a thing, and watch it be established. If you want something to change in your life, change what you're saying. Go to Ephesians 6 quickly. Going a little bit longer than normal, but I'm trying to get you your battle plan. Because I'm trying to get you your money. It's time out being broke. It's time out living paycheck to paycheck. It's time out struggling to pay our rent, pay our mortgage. It's time out for all of those low-level, system-bound things. It's time to abound. It's time to prosper. It's time to be so rich that all the heathen said, those are the blessed of God. But the economy, but the Republicans, but the Democrats. So what? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, you world overcomer, you. Ephesians 6. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand with against the wiles of the strategy of the devil. We already looked at his five strategies earlier. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not the person sitting next to you. Your enemy is not the person on your job. Your enemy is a spirit that hates you. Our fight is against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Wherefore, because that's where your battle is, take unto you the whole armor of God, 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. He's not talking about when everything happens, you're still standing, oh, but I made it through. It's talking about stand victoriously. Take your stance. Don't let Satan push you around. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Stop running from Satan. Stop letting the devil punk you. Punk the devil and make him run. Two points of the armor we're going to look at. It's part of your battle plan. Verse 16. Above all, that phrase means in front of all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darks of the wicked. Maybe one of the reasons Satan can attack you is because you haven't taken your shield and held it up. You haven't been using your faith. You haven't been building your faith. So when things happen, it's like, well, why does everything fall down? This shield in Roman times was so large as the size of a door. It completely covered the soldier. Now, the thing is, they didn't just carry around a shield. This shield was covered, which was composed of six different layers of leather woven together. Now, imagine how tough one layer of leather is. Imagine six. But the thing was, they didn't just get the shield and just do nothing with it for the rest of their life. Every morning when they woke up, one of the first things a soldier was supposed to do was anoint the shield with oil. Because without the daily anointing, the shield would grow dry and brittle and break. If they did not make a practice of anointing the shield, they are lining themselves up to die in battle. You must spend time with the Spirit of God every day so your faith can be anointed. Don't walk around with dry faith. But then before they went into battle, they would submerge their shield in water and bring it up so when the fiery darts came, it would be quenched by the water that's on the shield. Water in the scriptures is a type of the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You must continually grow your faith. You must continually be in the word of God so your shield is soaking so it quenches every dart. So next part of the battle plan, take up your shield. Use your shield of faith. Paul lists all this armor the Roman soldier wears. He gives a name to each and every one. But then he gets to verse 18 and says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So he didn't change subjects. He's still talking about the armor of the believer. But there's one piece of Roman armor not listed there that the Roman soldier would carry. It would be a lance. And the lance was used to take off enemies far away. Now, notice it says praying always with all prayer, all types of prayer, and supplication in the Spirit. Part of that is, yes, being led by the Holy Ghost and how you pray, but part of that is praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. You can stop attacks from hell if you take more time and pray in the Holy Ghost. You can stop things before they get to you. Yes, there may be enemies close to you, but notice Satan's attacking not just send a few enemies. He's got other stuff he's trying to do. 
But if you spend more time praying in the Holy Ghost, you'll be able to stop some things. Because if you were Ibn Daset to Zabokade, and Iglin do Shonga Mande Istora Mandora, Itteridash di Koma Ase Vosa Vosa. For many of you have neglected the gift I have given you, says the Lord. I gave you this gift to benefit and improve your life. I gave you this gift so that you may profit. But you have set it aside and not used this lance of the Spirit I've given you. So you're facing things day to day, day to day, thinking, why am I not overcoming? It's because you have not taken the lance like I told you to. So go back and spend more time praying in the Spirit, yielding yourself to me, yielding and praying in other terms, and you'll be able to take things out over here, take things out over there, and you'll see the victory I have given you. I've given you these tools, so it's time for you to use them, says the Lord. Daniel 10, thank you, Lord, for tongues and interpretation of tongues. Daniel 10 tells the story of an angelic being coming to Daniel. Daniel had set himself in faith. He has been praying and fasting for 21 days. That's in verse 12. Then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel, don't be afraid. For from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chase yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I am come for your words. The angelic being showed up because Daniel opened his mouth and said something. Give your angel something to work with. Each one of you has at least one guardian angel. You may have more. But a lot of your angels are on the unemployment line saying we will work for a faith confession. Because if you're always talking about fear and what's going on in the world and what you see on the news, the angels have nothing to work with. They can't say, hey, I've come to minister because of your words, but you're giving them nothing to do. It says something else interesting in verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Number seven of the battle plan is speak the word only. Do not back down from your faith confession. Number eight is employ patience with your faith. Just because it hasn't happened yet does not mean anything's not happening. There is warfare going on. But if you back away from your faith, you won't get what you're after. Well, pastor, how long should I stay in faith till you get what you want? Notice that what you want, not just what you need. Well, I only need what I need for me, my four, and no more. That's selfish. Because you can't help nobody else. If you get into level that you're just getting what you want, that means your needs are already covered. You're getting what you want. You're getting the desires of your heart. You're living in abundance, and now you can help people. Now you can help people in other nations. Then you can be a blessing, cause rejoicing all around the world. But you have to employ patience with your faith. One of the things Bishop would say to us all the time when we work with them in Texas is faith and patience always inherits the promise. Psalm 103, verse 20. And 21 says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Two things I want to focus on. It says they hearken to the voice of his word. Notice that it says they hearken to God's voice. We know they do. If God says something, they're going to do it. But they hearken to the voice of his word. So if you put the word in your mouth and you say it, angels will do it. Why? Because you're giving voice to his word. 
But also says angels are ministers of his that do his pleasure. So, well, that's important. Yes, it is. But Psalm 35, 27 says, let them shout for joy. Shout for joy like I'm about to let you out so you can go eat. Let them shout for joy. And be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Angels are prosperity agents. They are working to prosper you. But you need to say continually, let the Lord be magnified that takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So your angels have something to work with. We talk, it says here, shout for joy. But Psalm 8, 2 says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength because of your enemies that you might still the enemy and the avenger. Number nine, your praise is a weapon. Your praise is a weapon. And I've preached on this before. But from every person I could see in the Old and New Testament that danced before God, that danced in the Spirit, none of them were broke. You go back to Abraham, he danced before God. You look at David, he danced before God. You look at all these people, they danced. Well, Mary danced when she was broke. It wasn't too much longer before rich dudes were looking for her to give her money. Jesus danced before God. Now, if the Son of God can dance before God, you and your happy self can dance before God. It's like, oh, it's not dignified. Well, it looks like you don't want to receive the best God has for you. Like, oh, I want God to give me a dance. No, you give God a dance. Well, I have no rhythm. That does not matter. Well, I'm going to look like a fool. At least you'll be a blessed one. Because remember, 2 Chronicles 20 Enemies came to attack Judah. The Spirit of God came on the man of God and he prophesied, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, I will deliver you. The people believed the word and the king talked with the people and said, let's put the praise team in front of the army. You know, the praise team might have said, I don't know if I'm feel led to serve today. <laughs> but they marched out saying the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. They marched out praising God. They marched out rejoicing, believing his word and what happened. The enemy turned on each other. So by the time the people of God got to the battlefield, all the enemies were defeated. But something was very interesting. Why would you do this? Why would you bring all this stuff to the battle? They brought all their money with them, all their jewels with them, all their nice things with them. And so it's all laying on the ground. It said it took a nation three days to pick up everything they left. Some of you need to dance more. Some of you need to rejoice more. You know, they joke with me on the staff and say, you shout and dance more than any pastor that's ever led this church. Well, I'm about to be richer than anyone that's ever led this church. I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. Well, that doesn't look dignified. But this is one millennial that believes in going, glory to God. Your praise is a weapon. You must rejoice before God every day, not just in the house of God. 
You have to learn to start your day with rejoicing and dancing and celebrating, even when you don't have an organ backing you up. You got to praise God every day. You got to shout for joy every day. You got to dance every day. Doesn't matter how you feel, what's going on, you must make a choice to rejoice. Last point. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Number 10, plead the blood and use your authority. Every day, you should start your day and say, I plead the blood. I cover myself, spirit, soul, and body. I cover my family. I cover my children. I cover my car. I cover everything I have with the blood. Say that you can't touch it because the blood is between you and them. It doesn't matter what's going around in the world. Satan, you can't touch me. The blood. I plead the blood. You must plead the blood. Plead the blood over everything you have. Hold the blood against the enemy. And use your authority and tell them you must let it go and you must get out of here. You are not welcome in this house. You are not welcome in my bank account. You are not welcome in my investments. You are not welcome in my job. You are not welcome in anything that concerns me because if you dare mess with me again, you're going to pay up and I'm going to be too expensive for you to mess with because of the blood, because you use the authority Jesus gave you. It's time to win, church. It's time to be victorious. It's time to get what belongs to you. Because the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. And it finds its way to them eventually. I have to stop here, but next week I'm going to talk to you about the wealth of the wicked coming to you. Because it's not something far away. That day is today. This is your day to prosper. This is your day to increase. This is your day to get out of debt and pay someone else's debt. This is the day to get the house you believe for. This is the day to get the car that you want. This is the day to pay off your student loans and send kids to school for free. This is the day to build churches. This is the day to build hospitals. This is the day to fund missionaries. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is the day. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Woo! You might as well rejoice. On Father's Day, it will be a good day to give your Heavenly Father a dance. It'll be a good day to give your Heavenly Father a shout. It'll be a good day to celebrate and run. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Hey. Glory to God.
something that Mark Hankins taught me. Your celebration is a demonstration of your expectation. So by the degree you celebrate, you're talking about the degree you believe something's coming to you. So you can go, thank you. That's all you're believing for. He's like, well, what are all these wild people doing? We just believe God. And we don't mind looking undignified. Because when God blesses us, When God blesses us, because the thing is, we were at a game yesterday. And when the Braves came back, we were all chopping and jumping and yelling, and that game did nothing for us. But when you think all that God has done, all that he is doing, and all that he will do, you can be louder than SunTrust Stadium. You can rejoice. You can shout, you can dance, you can run, hey! Lift your hands over here. Receive the anointing of increase. Be blessed. <laughs> oh, I'm in that office now. I'm in that office. I'm in that office now. Lift your hands. Receive the anointing of increase. Be blessed. Receive the anointing of increase. Be blessed. Are you ready? Receive the anointing of increase. Be blessed. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> Sheila and Johnny. Sheila and Johnny, where are you at? I saw you earlier. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, move with the anointing. 
We're with the anointing. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, glory to God. May the blessing go before you. May favor go before you. And may the blessing keep you in Jesus' name. and good 
things that are true and honest of good report because that's what it says in Philippians. But if we are not aware, we're not paying attention. We woke up a little bit too late. We were already, we missed the coffee. So the whole morning of, is just already bad in our minds. And we're not making those choices to think on, to subject those thoughts to the word of God and change our thoughts. We won't have what we know belongs to us. It's ours for the taking, but we have to take it and we have to apply what the word says. We have to praise when we get home in the car. It's just going to be you. You're going to go home and those dishes will still be in that sink. But that's when you praise because this is the day that the Lord has made and you are his. So this day is full of opportunity, set up, designed for you, and you have to take everything that the Lord has for you now Amen. by faith. Amen. It is real. God is good. He is actually a good father, and you are his beloved. So you have to do what you've been taught and not just go home and go back to what you're used to. You have to make change, changes. And that's not hard. It's just a continue, continue it's just con continuously making simple choices throughout the day. It's just constant. It takes diligence and discipline on our, on our end. Amen. But joy of the Lord is your strength. Praise the Lord at your home. Praise the Lord at your job. Not in a way that scares everybody, obviously. But choose joy. Choose, choose to believe what God says. And you will see, what is this year? Isn't it fabulous outpourings from heaven? That's what the Lord told us at the beginning of the new year through our bishop and through Kenneth Copeland, that that's what we ought to have this year. And you will see that in your life. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. There's still more to be done, but every hand down. If you're not saved, but you want to be saved. You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life right now. Put your hand up where I can see it. If you're not saved, but you want to be saved, lift your hand high where I can see it. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.